good afternoon and happy, holy, blessed Thursday. Can you imagine? We enter now into the holiest days of the year, the blessed triduum. And I just sent out this afternoon or this morning a thing from the foundation. If you're not on our mailing list, uh, I will put it out later uh, afterwards before the thing about how to really enter in to these next days and to always be thankful for every day and thankful for each particular thing that Jesus did for us. Do not just go through some rituals these days. And I think that's so easy for us as Catholics to do is just go through a ritual and watch the rituals and participate. But it's more than that. It's help us to enter deeper into intimacy with Jesus. That's what it's all about. If not, we're just going through the motions. We can be Pharisees and Sadducees instead of disciples who are with our master, who are with our Lord and our God and just walk with him so that we're not alone and he's not alone. So I encourage you to do that. And so let's begin by praying. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Precious Father, we thank you that we get to enter into this holiest of days, these next three days of triduum, that we get to walk with Jesus in his suffering, his death, and his resurrection, that we may be transformed by him and into him, that we may truly not just go through the motions and rituals, but we may enter more deeply into intimacy of relationship with your son, Jesus Christ, and thus get to know you by the power of the Holy Spirit, that these days would be days where we are transformed and we become more in love with you and your people. We beg you these things, O Holy Father, in the name of Jesus, your Son, amen. Mary, Mother of Jesus, pray for us, good Saint Joseph. Pray for us, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Again, you are watching Anchored in Hope with Father Larry Richards. I'm Father Larry Richards. Anchor means we are grounded in the hope of Jesus Christ. And as I said in my letter, it went out, it's like Holy Saturday is the feast of hope because we wait there trusting in his word that he can bring life out of death, and he does. So we're really coming to our unofficial feast day. <laughs> it's unofficial feast day. It's an unofficial feast day that uh, I just think of all days, Holy Saturday should be the feast of hope because we're just waiting for the Lord, trusting, knowing that when he says he will do something, it will happen, not just in his death and resurrection, but our own deaths, our own struggles, our own um, time where we go crazy, knowing that God will make all things work together for good. That's hope, and that's what we want to focus on on this holy day of Holy Thursday. Again, this is your chance to uh, ask me questions. You can just put them on the comment line. I have some uh, questions that some of you have emailed into me. I have never had a chance to look at these, so I never know what's going on until I'm reading. And sometimes it's like, oh, I shouldn't be doing this one. But anyway, <laughs> you're welcome to do that. And again, just for today, all of our stuff will be live streamed. I'm sorry some people were very strong about us live streaming the Passion Talk. I'm always um, concerned about live streaming the Passion Talk, which we did last night. Because it's very intense. You know, after all these years, um, people, they'll take me out of context. And since everything I've ever done just about is online, when people are out to get me, they go and they watch the videos that I've done. And then they just take a part of it, take it out of context, especially you can do that with my passion talk. And I look like a complete nut. And I... You know, I look like that a lot of times anyway, but I don't need to, first of all, give people more ammunition. The second reason is um, because we deal with the six commandments so explicitly. You know, last night, during, as soon as I started the sixth commandment, there was two women, two different places, that got up and walked out because it was too graphic for them. And again, I do that at uh, 
And I tell people, you know, don't bring kids. And same thing when I'm doing a parish mission, when I'm doing it uh, the Wednesday night of the mission, I say, we need to talk about sexual realities. And that's why I always say we need to talk about them when children aren't there. We need to talk about them as adults because the church has lots to say about these things. Um, But again, uh, taken out of context, not putting it in the full thing, you know, I can be crucified, died, and buried. I was out in San Francisco once or really uh, in um, uh, a little, not the actual city, outside. And I had done a men's conference, and we talked about certain things. And uh, in the middle of the questions, um, I was answering, and uh, the priest there said, that's unholy sex, that's unholy sex. And he wouldn't talk to me for the, uh, not well, he didn't treat, he's he's dead now, God have mercy on him. But uh, he was... uh, he just thought I had to be a big liberal or something. And then I had a guy that started fighting with me. It was just like, and I said, uh, uh, Father, because I talked to him later about this, and I just says, this is the teaching of the church. You know, I'm not doing something. But again, no, we have certain people that want to be prudish about everything, and we shouldn't talk about it. So what we do is we let the devil talk about all these things, and he brings his teaching, and even good church people have no real idea about what we're teaching. And then uh, sometimes they'll read about it online, but they're reading about it from a particular bent. I always try to be orthodox in these things, meaning the teaching of the church as best as I can do that. Sometimes there's no explicit teaching on particular things when it comes to sexuality. There is just uh, guidelines, norms, um, and the church does that on purpose. It doesn't want to make a uh, pronunciation, you know, uh, say that, okay, this is always wrong and different things. It has to do that for certain things, of course. But again, every time I go back, and like I said last night, I says, John Paul II at a uh, audience, one of his Wednesday audience, talks about there's no part of the body which is unkissable. And for some people, that just that just that's go, goes crazy, you know. And I says, God created all the parts of the body; He created it all. It's all part of His image and glorifies Him. So again, but when we do that, and there's kids there and different things, that's why I won't do it if there's kids there. That's why I am cautious about sending it out. So we might do it uh, next year, but we'll have to do it in a way that people know what they're getting. Um, yeah, and it'll probably be like a closed. Uh, group so uh, it won't be open to all the public but you could probably sign up and get it okay but the next four nights we will be live streaming so tonight i will be washing the feet i'm only doing four people because uh, people don't want to volunteer for that anymore and so uh, tonight i have uh, at our parish i have the thing it'll start at 6 30 p.m and it's about an hour and a half uh, normally um and the glory about what goes on tonight is we have the uh, presentation of the oils, you know, from the cathedral, and we bring them into our church. We have the washing of the feet. I'll be given the homily, and then um, uh, I'll rededicate myself to being pastor of uh, my parish, and then we'll take Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament and take him over into the Adoration Chapel, and we'll have simple adoration. You know, he will not be in the monstrance in that tonight. We just keep him covered in just a regular, uh, um, you know, whatever that's called, which I can't remember, you know, the ciborium, sorry, covered ciborium, which will be in the chapel until 11.30 p.m. tonight, and then we will have night prayer 11.30 p.m. tonight, and then the uh, Adoration Chapel will be closed, the church will be closed until uh, I'll start hearing confessions on Good Friday at noon. Um, and then Father Mac will have the service at 1.30. It usually goes to about 3 p.m. And then on 3 p.m. tomorrow on Good Friday, we start the novena to uh, the Divine Mercy. It's a nine-day novena. It ends with Divine Mercy Sunday, the Sunday after Easter. And it's nine days of prayer. So we begin that uh, on Good Friday at 3 p.m. Um, and then we have Tenebrae at night. Um, I don't know if that's being live streamed or not. I don't think so. But again, it has been, you can just put uh, live, uh, just go into YouTube and put Father, Father Larry Richards and then uh, uh, the um, Tenebrae and you'll be able to find it from past years. 
And then again on uh, Saturday, our stuff will be 8.30. We have a baptism that night and, um, and that'll be live streamed and I'll have that. So I have tonight, Father Mac has tomorrow, and then I have, of course, we'll both be there all the time. I'll have the vigil and then I have all the masses on Easter Sunday, 8.30 and 11. Okay, so there you go. Hopefully uh, you can do that. All that'll be live streamed and you can watch it live. Okay, so let's go on, and now let's ask some questions. Harry says, Father, will you be uh, washing feet later today? Yes, I will at, uh, after the 6.30 service. Nancy, when are you coming back? What's the matter with you? It's time to come home. Oh, making our way back. There you go. See you Sunday. It was about time. I'll tell you people would go away. <laughs> Don't feel bad. Anyway, um, Good, I sent the email. I'm glad you liked it, Bruce. Chris, hi, Father. God willing, we'll be stopping by St. Joe's tomorrow on our way up to Buffalo. There you go. Um, the church won't be open until about noon. I'll be hearing confessions at noon. And then um, yeah, we'll have the thing from 1.30 to 3, and then the church will probably be, I, I don't know if we keep it open on Good Friday or not, So, but it'll be good. If you're there, say hi. Okay. Father Larry, I heard a priest during a Sunday sermon say the Catholic Church needs to find a way to bless gay couples. <laughs> that bothered me. <laughs> yeah. Um, we need to be able to bless everybody. That's the thing, giving a blessing to things. But we can't bless things which are sinful. And again, this is a hard thing because I, when I say uh, sinful... Um, we're talking about the act, not the person, right? Um, again, having sex before marriage is sinful. Uh, getting drunk is sinful. There's a lot. So I'm not just picking on this reality. But again, when we start saying that what the Word of God says is sinful and we start saying it's not, then we start separating ourselves from the word of God, and that's Jesus. That's the revelation. Now, we can go deeper. Again, we can go into things, and as people say, you know, the word of God used to say, and still says, that slavery is okay. And it talks about slaves being obedient to your masters and different things. So we just can't go to proof texts to uh, make our argument um, because the argument against slavery is way beyond Scripture because all people create in the image and likeness of God. And the way the scriptures talk about the way we deal with women, a lot of that stuff's been changed and it's taken for granted now that we don't enslave people and we treat women as equals. But Peter calls women the weaker sex. Uh, St. Paul says women should in no way have authority over a man. All these things, which of course is commonplace now. So I'm not saying that the time will come as far as I know that we can bless gay couples. There are other like Episcopalians and that to actually bless the marriages and different things. I don't ever see that happening in the Catholic Church. Saying that, that doesn't mean we don't welcome gay couples again. Years ago, someone uh, from California emailed me and says, Father, me and my husband, he was gay, uh, are moving to Erie, Pennsylvania. Would we be welcome in your congregation? And I immediately responded back. Immediately for me, it could be a couple of weeks. But anyway, uh, I said, of course you would be welcome in my parish. Everyone's welcome in my parish. Please, God. You know, if, you, if we can't welcome people, we can't convert anybody. But, I said, and the but sometimes people say that negates everything you've said before. Uh, and it wasn't a but of, uh, no, you're not welcome. It was a but of, but you will be challenged like I challenge everybody to be holy. Huh? So I believe that we got to meet everybody where they are. And the need that they have to be loved, which homosexual couples do, of course, uh, which everybody has that deep need to be loved, that we meet them there with the love of God. And then it's the love of God that transforms them. It's the love of God that uh, sets them free from slavery. It's the love of God which shows them a much deeper love 
when we go and condemn people, and again, you know, it sounds like I'm the, the least uh, condemning person ever. I am not, you know, again, ask anybody. I am uh, very frustrating myself too often. But anyway, that if all we do is condemn people and say they're not welcome until they get their act in gear, they'll never get their act in gear because the only thing they see from us is condemnation. And again, as I've talked about, there is no condemnation for those in Christ. Uh, Jesus in John three seventeen says, God the Father said, God did not send his son in the world to condemn it, but to save it. So God has uh, sent Jesus to save everybody, everybody. Now, when we'd say, uh, you'd never hear me say at a, at, a, at a mass that we have to learn to ways to bless gay couples. I could see how I would, that would make me uh, uncomfortable because it's, uh, it doesn't, it just goes out of our way and doesn't deal with the, the teaching of the church or the teaching of the scripture. So we got to be able to do uh, both. How do we reach out and love to people? How do we meet people where they are and bring them the gospel of Jesus Christ? Again, uh, if you want to go deeper, nowhere does Jesus talk about uh, sending gay couples to, to hell for being gay. Now, Paul does later on in scripture, and all scripture is the same. But Jesus does talk about if you don't take care of the poor, explicitly you're going to hell. Now, so if Jesus says that, and that's the way we be judged, should we even make it stronger that you can't come to church unless you're taking care of the poor on a consistent level? And people would say, oh, are you kidding me? You can't do that. You can't tell people what to do with their money. Blah, blah, blah. And people would go crazy and everything else in that. But this is what Jesus says. So that's why it's so important that we all need to, first of all, know what Jesus says, uh, put everything in context to what Jesus says, and then do what Jesus says in my life, in your life. And again, every time I sit there, I go, finally, I got this under control. And then I see all the other places that is not fully under the lordship of Jesus. And I go, oh. So that's a long way of saying, as sometimes I do, that um, we need to make everybody welcome in our churches, and we need to make them truly welcome and meet them where they are, and then we need to walk with them to conversion. Hmm. I think that's the best way to do these things. But again, I, I, but I agree with you completely, Pat. Audrey, hello, Audrey. Beautiful email, Father. Thank you, thank you. And uh, yes, Santa is in heavenly place. Thank you very much um yeah my mother is something and again i yeah i forget i can't i can't even talk about it so let's go into other things here hello father larry i have a question about uh psychics and mediums my friend invited me to a psychic medium with her being a catholic i don't believe in this good but I was curious as to how he did things. I ended up having a reading with a medium. Do I need to go to confession since I had the reading? Usually. Information about this subject would be greatly appreciated. The scriptures, especially the Old Testament, is very much uh, against this and because it has uh, false gods. Now, nowhere in, a, uh, in the word of God does it say it doesn't work. I often tell the story when I was a kid, we were in Erie, uh, where I'm at now, but we were from Pittsburgh. We used to come up here for all our, um, all our vacation. That's why I was dis uh, deceived, because I was only in Erie when I was a kid. In the summer, I'd never experienced a winter in Erie. If I'd have experienced a winter in Erie, I would not be a priest of the Diocese of Erie, let me tell you. Oh, I hate, hate, hate the winter. I hate winter. And so I've been up here all these years. But when I retire, let me tell you, it's going to be where it's warm. And that's less than eight years away. And I'm not going to retire from the priesthood, of course, but to being an eerie of being a pastor, I'm, I'm fully ready for retirement now. Let me tell you, I'm like, oh my gosh, not still up to fully be on the road. But uh, oh, there's so much, so much, so much, so much. And uh, we just, I just got an email right before we started. One of our priests who was an active priest at a parish here had passed away today. Uh, it's a great day to pass away as a priest on the feast of uh, priesthood. Um, but he was only 77. And again, uh, it's not that old, 77. And uh, good man. And so uh, he's uh, in heaven. So that's the best retirement place for everybody, of, and anybody, of course. 
But again, no, he was very faithful. He stayed as a pastor and all that, even in his retirement. And God bless him. You know, um, and that's why I want to, God willing, keep preaching, keep going around the world, uh, doing what I can. There's so much more that uh, we have planned. And even with the foundation, great things are going to be happening uh, here soon. Um, but it's just a lot of, uh, you know, there's like everything I started with at St. Joe's 20 years ago, I've been there. I have to redo now. <laughs> it's just like, really? You know, all the wallpaper's falling down. We need new, uh, uh, new roof on the rectory. We need new, uh, windows on the, in the rectory. Uh, all the stuff I put all this, you know, lighting in about 15 years ago and it's all just met with the lighting people the other day. We have to redo all the lighting in that. And I just like that kind of stuff wears on me you know it's like really do i have to do this again okay but anyway so uh that's an aside but when it comes to this type stuff mediums and that again again i get off on tangents don't i but anyway we were up here in erie and uh, my we were at waldemere which is the park and in those days who knows gosh i wasn't even five i don't think six and they had uh, someone reading poems or something uh, then. And my mother went. She wasn't a very good Catholic when she was younger. But anyway, she went. And I remember her coming out, and we're all sitting there. Well, what's, what did they say? What did they say? And my mom laughed, and she says, uh, they said, I'm going to be married three times. I can't take the one I have now. My father looked at that, smiled. But my mother was married three times. The reality is, the word of God does not say it doesn't work. It just says, do not get involved with it. Because what can happen is you can open yourself to dark spirits, to evil spirits, and a lot of things that it's like playing with a Ouija board or any of that kind of stuff. You're opening yourself up uh, to fake knowledge, which can be uh, true knowledge, but it's knowledge forbidden by God. And you can open yourself up to a lot of stuff you don't want to be involved with. So, uh, again, God tells us to stay away from these things, not because he's an ogre mummy dearest, but because he doesn't want us to become slaves to anything. He wants us to trust him. And again, that's one of the hardest things. Again, this afternoon, this morning, I got a, a text from one of my good friends, and he's had cancer for these years, uh, a good many years, I think four or five years. And... Um, you know, he has like five kids, good, good man, and it's just spread in different places, and he just asked, uh, could you pray? And so I said, of course I'll pray, and I ask all you people who are watching to pray. He's a young man, um, and with kids and everything else, and so he's afraid, of course. And I said to him in the quick text, you know, I just said, uh, you're entering into suffering with Jesus, so you're not alone, but he's entering into suffering with you, so you got to hold on. And you got to know that no matter what, God has a plan. And he promises all things will work together for good. Again, when we look at these days and the suffering and all the stuff Jesus went through and his horrible death, in just three days he rose and conquered all death, all suffering, all pain. And it gives us this hope. And so we just got to pray for him, pray for his healing, that God would just be with him and that he would not in any way feel alone in any way at this particular moment in his life okay so let's go back to here do, do, do. lewis says what is your favorite saint book um there is there's a bunch of saint books i've read throughout the years um the one that really and it's, it was written by Carlo Coretto, and it talks about all kinds of saints. When I was uh, growing up, though, the first thing, he's not a saint, but I lived on the imitation of Christ, huh? which the theology, he was written by a, um, uh, a monk, and it's written for monks. So it's not the best book for lay people. If you have a wife or a husband and kids, it's really for people, for priests, and it's a very pious book, but it's a very negative theology. Um, but that formed so much of my theology because we were given that book uh, as a present from our pastor at our first communion. I would never do that uh, to my uh, first communicants because it was a very uh, hard book. 
uh, very negative uh, in our, you know, before God, um, but it's very powerful reality too. But the book I've went to again and again and again and again is a book written by Francis de Sales. And I haven't seen it. It's been out of print for a long time. I got one as an old one. But when I was in uh, major seminary, I bet you I devoured that book. It was a real thin book uh, just called Love God and Do What You Will. Love God and Do What You Will is, a, um, is what St. Augustine, is a quote from St. Augustine. And so St. Francis de Sales just talked about how if we truly love God, then we're always going to do his will because that God, that our will and his will will always be the same. So that's why it's love God and do what you will. Some people, if you don't love God, you'd sit there and say, oh, that means I can do anything I want. I love God. You know, People say they love God all the time, but you have to prove you love God by spending time with him and by loving other people. I'm just um, more and more concerned in the church nowadays that people who say they love God hate too many people. So they can't love God. It's just impossible. Um, you could do that in the Old Testament well, pretty easily, um, but you can't do that in the New Testament. Uh, when Jesus came and revealed the fullness of God and God is love, and he says, love your enemies, do good to those who persecute you, that's the call of Jesus. You know, Do not judge lest you be judged. The measure with which you measure will be measured back to you. These are the realities of what it is to be a Christian. Um, and so we got to make sure that we're really in love with God when we're doing anything. We know what that means. We know what that looks like. We're giving away our life for God and others every day. So it's just, um, you know, it's, but that was, the, that was the one I think that's had some of the biggest impact on me. Okay. Chris, do you get to say, what do you say to Protestants who are against religion? Well, again, I'm, sometimes I'm against religion because religious people are sometimes not in people with love. Religion is necessary because when you have a bunch of people who are in love with God, we call that religion, the way it works, how we all do things to make us one. Um, so ritual, as much as I talk about ritual, I'm saying that ritual without love is the problem. Ritual in itself is not, because we all have rituals, huh? You, the way I wake up every morning, I did not. I got to sleep in today <laughs> on purpose. I got up in time, and I go, I don't have anything till 3 o'clock today, so I can sleep in. And so I did. And uh, But I have a ritual every day about how I uh, wake up, what do I do. It's boom, 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 boom. It's ritual. And so ritual is not the thing. But if it's just religion, meaning that I'm just going through the motions of following rules, you can be an atheist in that. So I 1,000% agree with them if that's all it is. But if it's a religion of love, then I disagree with them. If it's just going through the motions, I agree with them. But if it's living the faith and love, I disagree with them. So Again, I guess it's your interpretation of what religion is and what do you mean by that and what does that look like. So, uh, but um, again, almost all my homilies anymore, just going through the motions ain't going to save you. <laughs> it just isn't. And people go crazy with that. But we got to really know that our, it's not just religion, it's relationship. And when relationship influences religion is the basis of religion, then it's true. If it's just going through the motions, then it's wrong. So I hope that helps. Nancy says, Father, thank you for always being there to help us with our questions. Thank you. Thank you for that, Nancy. Trinity and blessings, thank you. Can you pray for my cousin? Her name is Gail Elizabeth. She has AOS and feeding tube surgery on Good Friday. Absolutely, we'll all pray for her. Please, uh, God bless her and be with her. Okay, Steve LeJohn, you pagan. Oh, I'm sorry. Wow, a wonderful turnout last night. Yes, it was. Had a few Passion Talk first-timers. I know. I heard their confessions. It was pretty good. Reach out and thanks me for inviting them. Good job. They said they were impacted. It's always a blessing. Thank you. It's always a hard uh, thing for me to do, but again, when the fruit comes out of it and 
people who haven't been in confession in 15 years or people who had abortions and finally confessed them. To me, that's what it's about. Um, some people, when they watch the Passion Talk, think it's just me yelling at a bunch of people, and I do a lot of yelling. But that sure isn't the point. It's the, it's the way that is used to bring people back home. And so I do yelling um, because sometimes people need that. Um, so thank you, uh, Steve. Okay, I'm retiring in nine months. Shut up, you're retiring in nine months, you pagan Steve. Okay, Joy. Hi, Father, I wonder why Jesus only taught for three years. Is there a meaning or significance to the number of years in the church teaching? I do not think so, Joy. Uh, again, that's uh, all the Father wanted, and think about that was That was enough all these years that he's been gone because he taught us best by what he lived, not just what he said. He gave away his life for us. That's what we look at in these days of Triduum. He taught us best by what he did. And if we look at all that, even tonight, he, he got in his hands, his knees, and washed our feet. He fed us with his own precious body and blood. He commanded us to love one another. A lot happens. And he shows that love to the end. And so... Um, the words were necessary, and he gave them to us, but his, the way he lived was his greatest teaching, even in his years of silence. There's a lot there, but I don't think it's any, I've never read anything about the three years being significant. Um, so, uh, Robert, Father, are you coming to Atlanta, Georgia this year? I don't think so. I, told, uh, I once told them I've been down to Atlanta throughout the years, and... The, my experience with uh, not all the pastors, some of the pastors were fantastic, but a lot of the pastors were not very kind to me. They were very rude to me. They wouldn't show up for the mission. They would throw me off the altar because uh, even though I had a time, we uh, suggested things, but they didn't agree. And then, uh, so some of them, I said, I'd never go back to the Diocese of Atlanta to a parish mission. And I really, um, I really, stand by that because again except for the one father lawrence who was a very fantastic uh priest down there he was very kind to me and very good he showed me all kinds of stuff he was a good man um and he is a good man he's a good priest but uh some of the other ones it was just very very hard um I wasn't treated well, and so I just said, there's plenty of other places to go. Now, even after I've said that, I still spoke at the Eucharistic Congress down there because that was a different thing. I come down for uh, their Legatus down there. But again, no, uh, some of the priests thought they were doing me a favor by having me come into their parish. And again, no one's doing me a favor by having me come into their parish. If you want me to come into their parish, I'll gladly do it. That's why the pastor has to read all the requirements and they have to sign the document and uh, they have to be 100% behind it. Like the last three parishes I was at, they were all very much behind that. Some of the ones sign it and then when I get there, they say, well, I didn't mean it. You know, <laughs> well, you know, for me to leave my parish and go to help out at your parish, you need to be there. You need supportive. You. There is no surprises. I Everything's spelled out, married. Therese goes through everything and they tell Mary Therese and Mary Therese will tell me, oh, these are great people. And I go down here and they treat me like garbage. And I go, okay, I'm done with these type people. Uh, by far, by far, the people who have treated me the worst have been priests of Jesus Christ on this, the feast of the priesthood. Um, because what we learn, I think that uh, too many priests think everybody's here to serve them. Oh, they put a nice thing about, oh, I'm here to serve, but then they make sure that they're always away and it's their way or no way. And I can get like that, you know. Uh, but when we have guests or I have stuff, especially priests, I always try to go out of my way for the priest because a priest is another Christ. But I've had bad experiences down in Atlanta. So probably not going to be back to Atlanta. There's other places I've been. I think I've been to four or five parishes in Atlanta or outside. Um, so, sorry. Do, 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 do. James, Father, you say in marriage it's 100% to 100% on who gives their life. So what do you do when it's just one person doing that? First of all, you don't get married. <laughs> That's the point. 
So if you did it in the beginning, I mean, so many people, that's the problem. They always, oh, yes, 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 we're going to get married. And it's 100%, 100%, and then one person stops. That's a problem. That's where you say we will be uh, in good times and in bad, so that's the bad time. But a lot of times, they never wanted to give 100% at all from the very beginning. And that's where annulments come in. Just because you go through the motions of getting married, the ritual of getting married, uh, doesn't mean the sacrament has taken place, right? That's why we have an annulments. Annulments are not divorces. They say that there's certain things necessary for a, a valid marriage to take place. And if these things are not present, then the marriage sacramentally never took place. That's why an annulment goes back and has to, it doesn't matter what happens after the marriage, that all has to be present before a couple gets married and at their marriage, huh? Um, to see whether something's valid or not. But a couple have to be wanting, wanting to be 100%, 100%. That's the whole thing. And that's why um, people do end up with uh, annulments and that because from the very beginning, the other person never gave their life away. And you have to be willing and you do give up away your life the day you get married. You know, it's 100%, 100% or it's nothing. Okay, and you can grow in that. But if one person says, nope, I'm not giving anything, well, that's what you have to pray and ask God. Again, I can't ever do marriage counseling here or anything like that because uh, it's just objective. And to do anything in three minutes would be an atroc atrocious, you know. So uh, you've got to talk to your own pastor. You've got to talk to a counselor and all that from there. Hello, Father. When I was young, my grandmother would tell us not to watch TV or listen to music on Holy Week since we needed to observe it. What is your take on this? Well, a lot of people I've encouraged throughout the years to give up TV for all of Lent because it, uh, it's just usually a distraction. And I did that for many years, but I don't watch TV enough uh, to do that anymore. It didn't become that big of a thing for me. Uh, when I was growing up, it was like you couldn't do anything between 12 and 3 because that's when Christ was on the cross. And I think that's the, the, the best time. You shouldn't be watching TV. You shouldn't be out shopping. You shouldn't be at movies. You should be doing nothing except being with Jesus, especially nowadays. If you can handle Good Friday, 12 to 3 would be fantastic. Okay. We go on. Jen, Father Larry, um, if God grant my wish, I want to go to heaven on Easter Sunday or in transfiguration if God's will is not mine, but we'll see what God wants. Yeah, I'll say I'll go whenever he wants. If as, well, I, I can easily say that now, but... You know, uh, God has a better plan, so that would be a great time, though. Teresa asks, how can, how can God have existed for all eternity? I believe that in the Trinity and love Jesus so much, but I have a really hard time grasping this concept. Of course you do. If you ever want to blow your mind, anybody here, all you have to do is try for a moment to think of no beginning. Think for a second. So, something had to have no beginning. By definition, even if you believe in the Big Bang, well, what made the Big Bang go boom? Something had to always exist to get anything into existence. We call that something God. And uh, there's always had to be. And your, your, your mind can't comprehend that. Of course, you've got to struggle with that. But logically, something had to always exist. Even if you call that thing energy, Something had to have no beginning to get the ball rolling. <laughs> so that's why, it's, uh, it's why we know there's a God, because something had to always exist, and that something is what we called uh, God, the prime mover, the one that got everything the beginning. But again, uh, you should struggle with that. A lot of people don't even think about it, so I'm glad you're thinking about that. I think it's a good reality to all of us uh, contemplate those type things because it just shows how much we cannot understand. It's impossible for us, you know, because everything we look at, we try to say, where to come from, where to come from, where to come from. And that's what, the way we think. Something had to always be. Whoa, it drives you crazy, huh? So keep thinking that way, but keep praying about it, okay? So, do-do-do. John, Father Larry, please pray for those carrying the cross this Holy Week, especially my mother who is suffering from terminal cancer. Absolutely, John. It's one of the hardest things, as you all know. I'm, I know. So absolutely, we're praying for her. 
and for you. It's hard to watch. Good day. What's the concept behind not eating meat on Ash Wednesday and Good Friday? Why meat, not fish? Because when it was done, uh, only the wealthy could afford meat. And so it was a way of being poor uh, and to identify with the poor. Now it's like the opposite, you know, and I just saw there was a priest on Facebook or something the other day, and he was trying to get a petition out there going, and I didn't respond because, again, I'm not going to get in the midst of the stupidity of it all. But he says, we need to bring back the way it used to be before Vatican Council II that sat there and says, every Friday, we must not eat fish. We must not eat meat. That's a great thing. Again, some people love fish. So it's not anything then it says um, they don't have to, uh, it's not a penance for them. They like not eating meat. There's people all over the world that are vegetarians. So what kind of uh, uh, penance is that? The church did say that everyone has to choose their own penance. We're not gonna tell you what penance it is because what's a penance for you might not be a penance for me. Huh? And so... Uh, that's why. So when people get crazy like this, again, I'm just like, are you kidding me? People don't know Jesus, and we're trying to get people not to eat meat on Friday. We need to be focusing on bringing the world to Jesus Christ, not whether I'm going to eat meat on Friday and that. You know, when I used to be with EWTN, they don't eat meat on Friday, and I'd eat meat on purpose, you know, and I'd say, I just say, listen, this is not the role. This isn't the big thing for me. I have a lot of other penances, and I just think that uh, that's a big thing. And so, but I firmly believe they can do what they want, but it's not not universal law. Uh, the bishops changed that here and said it's up to you to make that. But there are places that are going back. And I'm just thinking, okay, this is what we're focusing on instead of bringing the world to Jesus Christ. And it's little infighting to me. Go for it. If they did it, okay, I ain't going to fight with it either. Sure, I'll do it, whatever you want. But again, uh, for some people, that's not a penance. So it just, uh, and you know, like I'm already past the age of fasting. I don't have to fast tomorrow. Isn't that exciting? Or Ash Wednesday, I'm past that age. And, uh, but now I fast more than I've ever had in my life. And so, in fact, uh, traditionally, tonight after, I'll have some food between now and 6.30, and then I will not eat again until after the vigil on Easter Sunday at the three-day fast. And this is a very ancient thing to enter into the fast of from when Jesus enters into his suffering until he resurrects. Uh, and to fast with him and to be with him. I don't encourage you for, for everybody for that. I've been doing this for a good many years. And so it's a part of uh, what I do. But again, I just think that whenever we try to tell everybody, this is what you need to do, I think we'll get in trouble. I think, yeah, so I won't go in anymore because I'll get in trouble for what I think sometimes. So anyway, so dear Father Larry, I need your help. I come from a good, saw my grandmother's. Okay, I already answered this last year. Okay, very good. Last week, I'm sorry. So let's continue on here. When Jesus washed the feet of his disciples, he said, no servant is greater than his master. Can you elaborate on that point? Jesus humbles himself before us, and he wants us to humble ourselves before others. Again, tonight when I preach on this, Jesus makes it clear. He says, what I have done, what I have just done is give you an example. As I have done, so you must do. One of the reasons why I've always been a Pope Francis fan is right after he was made Pope, and it was during Holy Week or right before Holy Week, he was brought into Pope on the feast of uh, St. Joseph, March 19th, that's when he was installed, and, uh, and then he went and he had the washing of the feet, the Holy Thursday. And for years, it was only men, usually cardinals, who retired. And it was always done in the, the basilica. And then he decides, brand new as Pope, it's not just going to be men. It's not just going to be Catholics. It's not just going to be Christians. But I'm going to go to a prison, and I'm going to wash a Muslim's uh, girl's foot and these prisoners, men and women. And boy, that's what started some people against Pope Francis from the beginning. But that's what endeared me to him from the beginning. Because this was not a clerical gesture. 
which a lot of the people in the church made it. It's about men, the priests, and us washing their, each other's feet. Look how great we are, please. It's about the God of the universe humbling himself, and he's the master of the apostles. And yet, he gets on his knees before them and washes his feet, their feet. It's about service. It's about laying down his life. Because not only did he just wash their feet, but then he died for them the next day. Is that not love? And then he says, this is what I want you to do. So we can't just be a bunch of clerics that say, look at me, you know, I'm very holy, I am a priest, you know. I have priestly hands. Please. You and I are called to give our life in service. And again, I can talk about this so easily, huh? And yet I get so tired sometimes that um, I don't want to serve anybody, just to be real about it. But I know that's not what Jesus is calling me to do. So we always got to go deeper. We always got to go more and do what God wants us to do. So uh, it's about him showing us how to live. I hope that helps. Hope, what a night. Hope giggles. <laughs> I like the name. Uh, speaking of retirement, what are some things we can do to make your life easier while we still have you? Pray for me is the first thing. The second thing I just think is, um, I got to say that as the years have gone by, I always listen to the negative. Like my assistant told me the other day, he's going to be leaving here soon. So he, um, he said to me that, you know, what he hears the most, you know, people complain about me. And what that does is it hurts me because there's a lot to complain about me. I, I can get it. I, there's a lot to complain about me. Um, I'm short, you know, all these kind of things. But at the same time, it hurts me because I've given my life for my people in my parish. And I always make sure I'm home on Sundays. And when I find out that people, uh, you know, are not fighting me or are talking about me or thinking that I'm not a good person. It destroys me, you know, and because uh, I'm giving my life for these people. And so what happens is like I, I, I have found that when I look out on Sunday sometimes, I'm looking at the wrong people. I'm looking at the people, like there's one woman who every week refuses. She doesn't like the way we say the Our Father, so she has to scream the Our Father. She's <laughs> loud very fast. She purposely will not do it. And so those are the people that I get mad because why? I'm looking at the wrong people. Instead of the people that support me and love me in the parish, I, the devil keeps me distracted by looking at these people that are complaining about me, that don't like me, that have left the parish. That uh, Again, we've had a lot of people leave the parish and they went to the Latin Mass because we're not, our, our Mass isn't real enough and it's not holy enough. And uh, uh, that's what the devil does. He starts you to uh, picking and focusing on those people. So I think that even some of my strongest people who've always been some of my strong supporters, they've been very quiet. And um, like when my mother died, I never even heard from them, you know. And so those are the type of things. And it's like, oh, gosh. You know, I, I try, and again, am I a failure in lots of ways? Of course I am. Um, but is a lot of good happening? Of course it is. And it's what we focus on. And so as we focus on uh, hope, it's just, again, not just me, but all your priests. you just got to be supportive of them. Um, know that they're human. Know that they mess up. Um, and then understand that. We understand that about ourselves. We've got to understand that about them. It doesn't mean okay, bad behavior, huh? Like if I have bad behavior, it doesn't mean saying, no, it's okay, that's the way Father Larry is. No, absolutely not. But it's uh, calling me to go deeper and to be set free from all that stuff. But again, that we need to um, be uh, more affirming and, and uh, lifting up of each other and, and then we have to focus on that. So, but the biggest thing happens with prayer. 
saying some nice things or if someone is talking about me at least to stick up for me every once in a while that you know like it was la- last night someone come to confession and uh someone said uh uh told this person well they said father larry's mean and he goes oh you just don't know him you know because uh Again, if you look at me during the passion talk, it might be mean, or if I'm uh, uh, challenging somebody, I might look at mean. But if you look at Jesus, sometimes he looked mean too, the way he dealt with the Pharisees, the way he caught the woman and he called her a dog. I mean, it wasn't great stuff. So you got to put everything in a bigger context than that, you know. And so, uh, um, you know, like the the things that I struggle with the most, I think, is being pastor. Is like again. I need uh, someone to do the house cleaning again because ours just quit after it wasn't even there a year because she had other things to do. But, you know, it's okay, we'll pay $15 an hour, and uh, which, again, is good for us anyway. I mean, you might be able to get better not things, and it's anywhere to uh, 20 hours a week, and it's like, no, 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 it's silence out there. I say, I need help. And the more I uh, say at Mass and different things, I need help, we need people to do this, there's crickets sometimes. And so then you sit there and think that you have to do all these things by yourself. Like someone uh, called yelling the other day about something wasn't on the internet, our website. Why? Because I got to do the website. You know, there's no one else that does the website. I asked for help years ago. Uh, and I've asked again and again, and some people have volunteered, but they help at the the overall direction of where you want to go, but they don't work on the day in day out stuff. So I got to sit there and go and work on the website and change the website and spend time doing that. I got to go and make sure like just today that I go in the front uh, sign that those are things that I would think that I should be able to get parishioners to do. Uh, not me that I have to sit there and do that. So when I'm always have to be the one that's on the road, everything else, doing all the stuff, asking for help, no one's coming. And I get it, everybody's very busy. But being a pastor, it's, um, and you're trying to do all these things, it's like, okay. And there's a lot of things I don't have to do, by the way. You know, so again, it's just helping out. Uh, if I say we need help on that, then step forward and say, okay, Father, we're gonna do this together. And I think that would be the biggest thing is if I didn't have to run the parish myself. Um, and I, I even have a great leadership team, but even some of them now are tired and you can tell. And, uh, you know, so when I need now more than ever, I have people stepping away and I'm thinking, don't do this to me. Don't do this to me. I can't handle this right now. I mean, I'm still struggling with my mother. I'm still doing all this stuff. And people are saying, okay, I'm just had enough. Well, what if I say I've had enough? You know, we have five parishes open. Now we have six because someone just died. Uh, what if I just say, okay, after he retired too now, it's just I've had enough. I can't do this alone. Then what happens? Another parish, less priests. I mean, we got we to gotta do this together. And uh, together. So I just think, that would be the most helpful for me. Like if my next eight years before I retire, and it might be like, again, the reality is if I had people come and stand with me and say, we're going to do this together, then I wouldn't have to retire in eight years. But as long as I'm sitting there, um, I have to do all these things myself, then the faster, the easier, the faster I can retire, the better that is because I can only do that so much and be on the road and trying to finish a book and try to run a foundation and try to run a Divine Mercy Retreat program and try to run all the men's uh, conferences in our diocese and be in the one. There's so much of those things. It's just like, okay, as you get older, you need to uh, get more help on that kind of stuff. So that was a little rant. I'm sorry about it, but thanks for the question. Um, Hope, that's a great name. Okay, Father Larry, will daily mass be handled once Father Mac is placed when you're traveling? You're right on Atlanta, not, uh, <laughs> anyway, the, um, uh, when I'm traveling, we'll have another priest come in. When Father Mac uh, goes to his other place, he'll probably be leaving at the end of June. And uh, so our masses, we have four masses on a weekend now. That's going to go to two masses. We'll have the 4.15 and we'll have the 11 will now be at 10 o'clock. So that's in the next three months, all that's going to be happening. And we'll have priests brought in 
uh, normally for when I'm uh, out of town. Hopefully, uh, that's the plan. Biggest thing is like, uh, like I've been sitting there thinking about my dog uh, Rex. Is uh, Father Mac, by God's grace, takes Rex, Rex when I'm away. But now I'm only down to my one dog, and uh, there's no one to take care of him. And so that's just another thing, like, okay. Um, and I get taking a dog as a lot of work and different things. So I, before that, I was paying people to come in, but even it was like that, that someone said, oh, I'll do it, and then they can't do it. So some of that stuff, it's like, okay, sometimes I feel like I'm trying to do all this by myself, and that's not a good reality. That's why Jesus sent everybody out two by two. He never sent anyone out by themselves. You ever notice that? <laughs> and so uh, that's what we got to be so pray, God has a plan, he's going to do all these things, and there's great hope and great stuff here. So, hi, Father, please address the war in Ukraine. Where is God in this? I saw the news of Clip uh, Putin receiving communion in this church, oh my. First of all, it's the Orthodox Church and the, um, the patriarch of that. I don't know what. I, I, I would not be a Christian if that was the church of Jesus Christ. Let me give you a hint, and that's a hard reality because let's be clear, Putin is worse than Hitler. He just is. He's an instrument of the evil one. Years from now, they will talk about Putin the way we talk about Hitler, and they will also talk about the, uh, the patriarch of Russia the same way because he supported that. He supported Putin killing children, innocent children, innocent people. It's just evil. There's no other way around it. And we got, and again, does God love Putin? Absolutely. Does he love the patriarch of Russia? Absolutely. Does he want them to come to conversion? Absolutely. But it's the evil one. Just allow, just like God allows the devil to tempt us and we can listen to him and go to hell. He gave Putin, he gave the patriarch a, uh, and they don't believe that their, that their patriarch is infallible. That's just a Roman thing. Thank you very much. But what they're doing is evil. And people need to call them out on that. We need to stand up. And I have been, if you, you can listen to some of the old stuff, but absolutely. But I'm, I'm also sitting there thinking that this is what we're focusing on now, but there's many parts of the world where this stuff has been happening for years, and we don't focus on that. But somehow we got to, uh, God promises all things are going to work together for good, but it's still a struggle. I know, holy cow, is it a struggle? Okay, I have to get through all these if I can. All right, treat you to shake your dust off your feet. I hope not. Um, thank you. Exactly. Can a parent make a deal with God for him to protect, save her children? No, uh, Jesus does that. He's the fullness of the deal. Just cover them with the blood of Jesus, not your own. Okay. Thank you. Sharon. Hi, Father. Question for my son, college age. Left his faith, Jewish girlfriend. Is he or she doomed to be held because of not practicing Catholics? Of course not. The uh, Vatican II says even an atheist, if he's an atheist through no fault of his own, uh, has hope for salvation. Even a Jewish person, they'll be saved because of Jesus. Now, don't tell that to a Jewish person. They'll sit there and think we're arrogant. And, of course, we are when it comes to that. But in our faith, the way we believe is there's no salvation outside the church. There's no salvation outside the church because the church is Jesus. Huh? So uh, no one can be saved apart from Jesus. Now, it doesn't mean the institutional church, you know, the clerical ones and the people who think we're the greatest stuff there ever. Oh, no, only you have to be Catholic or you're going to hell. And it's like the Protestants, yeah, they're, if you are Catholic, you're going to hell. And the uh, Jews, only the Jews are the chosen people, and only they're going to heaven. And the Muslims, only a Muslim can go to heaven. Everybody else are infidels, they're going to hell. We all say that, of course. God is bigger than all of us, believe it or not. And we got to make sure that we know that. We believe we have the fullness of the faith, but our faith teaches that everyone, if they go to heaven, will get there because when Jesus died on the cross, he redeemed everyone. Catholics, Protestants, Jews, atheists. Now you have to receive redemption, which we call salvation, by receiving Jesus. Now that's where we struggle.
but everyone will be saved, will be saved because of Jesus. So do not despair of your son. Do not despair if he marries this girl. Uh, he can get married in the church. We can give a dispensation for that. He can have a rabbi there and a Catholic priest there. Um, we can work and make it well. So never despair of anything. Just pray. Put everybody in the Blessed Mother's arms. She'll get them back. Pray. Let's have hope, huh? So know that I'm praying for you this Easter. Know that uh, we are going to be people that God always, no matter how dark it gets, God has a plan and God always has a resurrection plan and he will bring hope. So happy Easter to all of you. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Let's pray for each other. Let's love each other. And God willing, I will see you next Thursday, same time, same place. God bless you. Be good. Happy Easter.